the pastors here at Focus. And if you can't tell that we're a church that loves to have fun, can I get an amen on that? Right? And we're a church that loves Phoenix, Arizona. Can I get an amen on that? So everybody that has a Ram shirt today, then just go up to them and give them a little bit of a noogie, all right? <laughs> He's like, wait a second. I'm covering mine up. That's <laughs> oh, my goodness. We are in week two of a series called Greater. Somebody say greater today. Greater. See, what I believe, I believe that God has something amazing in store for each and every single one of us. I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. And what we're doing is that we're going through a series to set ourselves up to fulfill that purpose that God has for us. Let me ask you this question. Does anybody want to be part of a movement of God? Come on now. I want to be part of a movement of God. I don't want to just go from moment to moment to moment. I want to live in his movement. I believe that that's what God has planned for all of us. I believe that that's his purpose for us, in fact. John 10, 10 says this. He said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And how many of y'all know that some of us in here live a life that is full of destruction? We live in a culture that is trying to steal us of our joy. We live in a culture that is, it breaks my heart. Because not only do we live in a culture that is trying to kill our joy, but we live in a culture where we are seeing such an increase in anxiety that it truly is taking life. It's an epidemic. The amount of, the amount of people in our culture that are, are living in medicated state because of the anxiety that they're feeling. And there might be some of you in here as well. And I'm here to tell you that that's not, that's not what God's plan is for your life. That's the enemy trying to come in and steal and kill and destroy. But God has a plan for your life, and it's to give you life. It's to give you life, and not just any kind of life, a life that is full. Come on, somebody. A life that is a full kind of life. And I love this passage because the word that is used right here, it, as full, is translated in the original language, the Greek language, it's that word parasos. Somebody say parasos today. We love that word. Love that word because that, that word full doesn't even, it doesn't fully describe what parasos is about. The literal translation means exceedingly and abundantly. That your life shouldn't be exceedingly and abundantly more. That's what God has planned for us. But yet we find ourselves settling forward less. We're living in less. But God's plan and purpose for your life is to have a full life. So full that you can't contain it yourself. It is exceeding what you can handle yourself. It is abundantly more than you can handle yourself. And then what it does is it overwhelms you and then it overflows to the world around you. Come on, somebody. I'm living the kind of life that I'm having an impact in the world around me just because of the impact that the Holy Spirit is having in my life. And so it's overflowing from me. The Holy Spirit is overflowing from me to the world around me. That's the kind of plan and purpose that God has for your life. Exceedingly and abundantly greater. John 14, 12 says this. It says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, 
not just the special person, whoever says yes to Jesus, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And part of his plan and his purpose for your life when you say yes to him is that you will do works that I have been doing and they will be even greater things than these. Somebody say greater today. Greater, greater things than these. I love the phrasing of that. They will do even greater things. That means that, an, that, means that a parasauce life that an exceedingly and abundant kind of life is not just a philosophical life. It means that it's a life that is greater actions. So the question that I have for you today, when you look at your life, is your life full of greater actions? Do you have greater actions? Do people look at you and say, wow, you're doing greater things than Jesus? Man, that's a big thing. <laughs> That's what he says. He said, you're going to see even greater things than these. You're going to see an impact. We think to ourselves, oh, that's, how, that's not possible, right? Well, think about this. Through what God has done within ordinary people like you and like me, that Jesus, when he was walking this earth, the impact that he had, well, it was limited to one little region, wasn't it? The impact that he had specifically was on even a smaller group of people. Sure, he preached to 5,000, but how many people were walking with him daily? We see that number go to 12, right? So the impact that he had, and then all of a sudden, what do we see? We see that Christianity, come on, somebody, you will see even greater things than these. So what I'm here to tell you is that your life should be full of greater actions, Meaning that together, because we are better together, that together that we can have a larger impact than what Jesus did when he was walking this earth on the world around us. That's what God's plan and purpose is for us. He established the church so that we can have greater actions. Somebody say greater today. Greater. Let me tell you something. Is your life full of greater actions? Or are you waiting for people to fulfill greater actions just to you? Now, I came to church because I'm waiting for somebody to speak to me. Come on, pastor. You better have something good today. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for that right song to be able to throw in. If it's not the right song, I'll be like, oh, that was disappointing today. What did I say? Is your life full of greater actions? Or are you just waiting for other people to have greater actions to you. A full life, an overflowing life, means that God has already put his spirit inside of me, and then I am meant to have an impact on the world around me. Come on, somebody. The parasauce kind of life that we're talking about should impact the people around you. See, here's the thing is that we started off this series just last week. We talked about the parasauce life exceedingly and abundantly, right? Like, that's fantastic. But here's the thing that I can tell you. I'm sick and tired of talking about the parasol's life. I'm ready to live in the parasol's life. Anybody with me today? I'm ready to stop going from moment to moment and just waiting for another moment. I'm ready to just live in a movement of God. That's what he has for us. How do I know? Because the Bible tells me so. That's what his plan and his purpose is. For who? For just me, the pastor? For just the other pastors that we have around here? For just those select few, whoever believes in me. That's if you say yes to Jesus. 
That's the plan and purpose that he has for your life. So why are we settling for less when God has greater things in store for us? So let's stop talking about it and let's start living in it. Right? It's available for you. It's already been done. So what are we waiting around for? Let's just put ourselves into the movement that God already has. So what we've been doing is we've been looking at a specific person and seeing how they went from a special moment to a special movement of God. And if we want to be able to be in a movement of God, if we want to truly live out a parasauce kind of life, if we want to see greater things happen inside of our life, then let's go ahead and look at somebody who went from just the ordinary to living in greater, right? Like, let's learn from somebody who's already gone through that process. And so that person that we've been talking about, his name was Elisha. Elisha had a special moment where a man of God called him out and said, God has something in plan for your life. And what did we see Elisha do? Last week we saw this, is that he got moving to join the movement of God. Because I can tell you that God is already moving. We're not waiting for the movement. God is already moving. What we're waiting for is for you to join the movement. And for you to do that, you got to get moving. We saw him run after the movement of God. He left everything behind. See, that's what's important for us and what we learned last week is not only do we run after the movement of God, we make sure that we have nothing left to run back to. We got to burn our plows, right? Don't have anything left to run back to. I'm just going after Jesus. You want to be part of a movement of God? Run after him and leave nothing left to run back to. And then today we're going to see something really powerful for us. Today we're going to see something that is just going to What I hope it will do is that it will challenge you and spark you into action. That we're going to begin to put our faith into action and begin to see greater things than these. Greater actions flowing from us. That's what I hope to be able to see. And we're going to look at this man, Elisha, and see how this movement of God began to shape him and then begin to see how it began to impact the world around him. If we want to be part of a movement of God, let's learn from somebody who was part of a special movement of God. So today we're going to pick up our story of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 3, and it says this. Now Misha, king of Moab, raised some sheep, but he had a lot of sheep. He was a shepherd, but he had a lot of them. I'm just, the boy was rolling in some sheep. That's what he was doing. Because he had to pay the king of Israel a tribute, right? He had to pay a tax, right? A hundred thousand lambs. I'm telling you what, that's just the tax of it. Like I said, the boy has some lambs, right? This is a, this is a rich shepherd. A tribute of a hundred thousand lambs and wool of a hundred thousand rams. But after Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. Anybody sick of paying their taxes? Right? You're like, uh, who works for the IRS in here? I don't want to. I don't want to say that I'm sick of paying my taxes. This man, was, he was sick and tired of paying taxes, right? And he saw an opportunity, and so he said, I'm going to take that opportunity. I'm going to, I'm going to quit. I'm going to rebel against the king of Israel because I'm tired of giving him so much of, of what I have, right? And I could relate to that a little bit. But the reality is, is he had to pay these taxes. He had to pay these taxes to the king of Israel because Israel was so much larger than Moab at this time, right? It's just the way that it goes. So the king of Israel decides, hey, 
I like this tribute. I like the taxes that I'm getting from you. So I'm going to get my army together and I'm going to squash this rebellion. But not only am I going to get just my army together, I'm going to call some of my boys up as well. Why? Because we're better together. So he calls up some of his boys, the king of Edom and the king of Judah. And he's like, hey, I got this issue going on with this, this smaller king over here. Can we all gather together and get a really big army? And then we'll just go and we'll take care of Moab, right? And so the, the two other kings were like, yeah, man, we're, we're good. Like, let's go ahead. Let's roll and make sure that this, this dude knows what's going on, right? And they're thinking to themselves, you know what? I mean, our army's so big. Like, man, we're just going to march up on them. We're going to meet in the middle of the battlefield. They're going to see how big that we are. They're gonna, we're going to meet in the middle. We're going to have a little powwow. And then he's going to be like, okay, my bad. And then we're going to go back to our army, say, hey, no worries. Let's have some sandwiches. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? Like, like that's what the situation, that's what they anticipated. That was the plan that they had in place that they were going to do. But then a situation arises. Anybody ever been in that before? Where you have... You got a plan in place. This plan makes perfect sense, right? Like this plan, it makes perfect sense. It's going to be easy. It's going to be no problem at all. And then the unexpected happens, right? Anybody ever been there? Right? I don't know about you, but when unexpected situations arrive, I get a little bit frustrated. Anybody getting frustrated? I got, I got a three-year-old refrigerator that only cools down to 57 degrees right now. I'm not even playing. All my food is sitting in coolers on blocks of ice. <clears throat> I'm a little bit frustrated with Samsung right now. <laughs> Anybody get frustrated when, a, man, this was, a, this was an easy plant, right? I bought a refrigerator three years ago. That should last me at least 15 years, right? Some of y'all are like, not anymore. <laughs> it leaves you frustrated. Man, this should have been simple. This should have been easy. We got this large army, and now we find ourselves in a place where we're completely frustrated. What are you talking about? Parasauce kind of life, exceedingly abundantly. I'm just, I'm trying to get through the day. I'm frustrated with right now, right? Their situation wasn't just even that the battery in my car died again, right? It's Arizona. It started fine two seconds ago. How did it die in two seconds? Again, right? Like we're not even talking. This is a situation where they found themselves in. It's life or death. They got this large army. They're trying to sneak up around on the backside of this king. They go around through the wilderness they go the roundabout way, and then they find themselves in a situation here in verse 9. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves. Somebody say no more in here. Anybody ever feel like, I got no more? I got exceeding. I don't have enough. Abundant, I'm in lack. Greater, I have lesser. What are you talking about? 
I have no more. No more for myself, let alone to give to anybody else. Man, I'm, I got no more to even give my kids right now. I'm at my wit's end. I'm so frustrated with where things are in this life. I'm doing, I've been trying. I've been trying to, to get, I've been, man, financially, I've been trying to get to this place. I've been doing what I'm supposed to do. I've been watching Ramsey. I've been listening, right? Like, there ain't no more money to put in these envelopes. Daggum refrigerator. Right? I have no more to give to these relationships because they're taking it all out at work. And when I get home, can I just get one moment of silence? Exceedingly and abundantly, I have no more for myself. Anybody relate to that today? Greater life. Maybe for you, but I live in the real world. Let me tell you, we've all been there before, and we all know what it's like. And I'm here to tell you that there is hope in your hopeless situation. And hope has his name, and his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. You might not feel like you have no more, but I can tell you that my God has supplied for all of my needs and for all of your needs. You might not realize it yet, but I hope by the end of today, that you're going to grasp hold of this truth and that you're going to put your focus upon him today. You don't have, you're not in a place where there's no more. You're in a place where the movement of God is already taking place and greater things than these are in store for you. Yes. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's what God has in store for you today. So if you're in this place and you're like, I'm not sure if I'm in this place, well, because here's the thing. I can tell you that we've all been in this place and when we get into this place, usually... If you've responded the way that one of these kings responds, you know what it's like. Because the king of Israel, when he heard there was no more water, this is how he responded. He said, what? <laughs> I love that there's an exclamation mark. This is not a question. What? We got no more food. What? The refrigerator's only going to 57. What? Right? We get so frustrated and we're focused upon the situation and that's the only thing that we see and that's exactly where the enemy wants to bring us because it brings us to a lesser life instead of to a greater life. When you respond like this, all of a sudden we realize that I'm not living a greater life. Which is why I can tell you today that you need a group of people around you because the what moments are going to come and how are you going to respond in the what moments. When the what moments are there and it feels like an uh-oh, you need somebody to speak into your life to get your focus back in the right direction. It's a good thing that the king of Israel called his boys around him because he had a what moment, but luckily one of them was there to get the focus back in the right place because I'm here to tell you that we are better together. You need to have people around you. Get involved in a focus group. If you have not been invited into one, invite yourself into one. Find one of our focus leaders. They want to have you in their group. I'm here to tell you that right now. Because we are better 
together. We're going to have what moments, and it's so much better when we have the people around us that can say, hey, hold on a second. We got our focus upon the situation. We got to put our focus back on Jesus. And in 2 Kings 3.11, but Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? I don't need a what situation. I just need to keep my focus on the Lord. Because I know that he's already moving inside of my situation. He knew that it was going to take place before it even happened. So why would I not put my focus upon the author and the sustainer of my faith? The creator and sustainer of the universe. Right? Put my focus upon that. And I need people around me to, to make sure, hey, 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 knock it off. Knock it off. Who cares about your refrigerator? Right? Some of you are like, I, I, I do care. I do really care, right? Like, yeah, living out of a cooler is not fun, right? I don't want to go camping. Some of y'all go camping, right? Like, I don't want glamping is how I want to do things, right? Come on, somebody, right? Like, that's how we live our life. It feels like we're glamping at our house, right? That's all it is. We need people to put our focus back on Jesus. That's what we need to be able to do. Because here's the problem that the king of Israel ran into is he was just completely fine for settling for less. He was completely fine settling for just the ordinary. He wasn't seeking out a movement of God. He was fine just with this life. I feel like I'm doing all right. I mean, I'm getting all these sheep, at least from Moab, you know. I'm doing fine. What do I need to be able to really worry about that? You want to know the true difference between the ordinary life and the parasol's life? The true difference between living just an ordinary life and living exceedingly and abundantly more is where you place your total trust. Here's what, here's what I believe is the downfall of so many people who have said yes to Jesus. Is that we are completely fine in believing about God, but not putting our trust in God. We're fine believing in Jesus, but I'm going to trust my own abilities. I'm fine believing that Scripture says what it says, but I'm going to be fine trusting the way that I'm going to live my life. The difference between an ordinary life and the parasos life is where you put your total trust. I'm going to give God my first and my best, and I'm going to trust him with the rest. In what? All aspects of my life. That's the difference between just an ordinary life. You can get by. You can get by just fine. You believe in Jesus, you're going to go to heaven. Fantastic. We're going to celebrate with each other. We're going to have eternal life together. That's fine. But you're going to settle for so much less than what this is right now. When you just have faith in your own abilities and your trust in your own abilities, 
then you're just going to be going from moment to moment to moment with God instead of living in the movement of God. Where's your total trust? Is it upon you or upon God? That's the difference. See, so many times we, we get to the place just like what, what the king of Israel was, where God is our last resort. He's completely our last resort because I have trust in my own abilities. I have trust in what I can do, and then when I find myself in a situation where my plans have gone awire and I need help from this because I'm frustrated, now all of a sudden, then I say, is there not a person that I can hear from God in this moment? I was trusting myself. Now I'm in a situation. Now I need to turn to God. I'm not turning to God every single day. I'm not walking with him. I'm not, I'm not having his Holy Spirit change me and make me new every single day. No, instead, all I'm doing is I'm just finding myself seeking God when I'm in the middle of some junk. I got a what moment? Now I need God. That's the difference between just living an ordinary life and living in a parasol's life. And there's some of you in here today who are just asking God to relieve you of your situation. I just need relief from this situation so that I can go back to the way that I was living before. But I got good news for you today. I got good news about your situation. At times, your great need is the greatest moment you can have because you have greater dependence on God. We think about a moment with God of just being the, the goosebump, feel-good moments. Oh, man, that was a moment right there. Oh, my goodness gracious, couldn't you just feel that? I feel excited. I feel amazing. And that's the moment that we're seeking to be a catalyst for the movement. But I'm here to tell you that it is more powerful sometimes to have a moment of desperation because it drives you to having a greater dependence upon God. Your desperation can leave you to dependence. And then don't neglect the dependence once the desperation is gone. Live in dependence. Live in it. I'm not trying to be an independent person. I'm trying to be completely dependent upon Jesus. That's the parasol's life. That's the greater life for you. Come on, somebody. We're just getting started today. Woo! Getting to a place where you're completely dependent upon God. And beginning to see greater actions flow into your life and out of your life. Greater. That's what God has for us. Greater. That's what God had for Elisha. Greater. Somebody say greater today. Greater. That's the plan and purpose that he has for your life. That's the plan and purpose that he had for Elisha. And we're going to see Elisha get called out. We're going to see Elisha get called out, brought before these three kings. Isn't there a prophet of the Lord around? Yeah. Let's go ahead and call Elisha up. And let's see if he has an amazing word for us today. And he gave them the exact word that they were hoping to hear. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. 
1 Kings chapter 3, and I love the way it says this in the message. He then said, Elisha then said, God's word, this is God's word to you, kings. This is God's word to you, those that are in desperation. This is God's word for you today. If you're sitting in this place and you have not put your complete and utter trust into God alone, his word for you today is this. Y'all need to dig some ditches. You need to start digging some ditches. You need to dig some ditches all over this valley. And you know what's going to happen when you do that? Man, we're, you're in a lack. You're in a place of lack. There is no water. There's nothing that you can be able to do about it. You don't have any rain inside. There's no cloud. It's like Phoenix, Arizona. There's never a cloud in the sky, right? Like, we don't know what we're going to do. Dig some ditches. And here's what will happen. You won't hear the wind. Whew. There's no anticipation for the miracle that's getting ready to happen. You're not even going to see the rain. You don't even know when the blessing is ready to come. But this valley is going to fill up with water. Somebody say fill up today. To the full. A life that is filled up to the full. Come on, somebody. But you got to dig your ditches. Somebody say dig your ditches today. You got to dig your ditches. Here's what I mean by that. God's specialty is the rain, but you got to dig the ditch. God will send the blessing, but you got to do the work. Whoo! Whoo! Come on, God, I'm just looking for different results, not a changed life. I'm just looking for you to do, hey, why don't I'm praying? I came to church. Isn't that enough? What you mean I got to do some work in this as well? Because that's the reality. Is that we all desire greater until it requires work. We all desire Parasauce life until it requires sacrifice. (laughs) At least that's the way we see it. But is it true sacrifice if you're giving up less for a life of greater? Come on. Is it true sacrifice if you're saying that I don't care about the things of this world and I'm going after everything that God has for me? Is that truly sacrifice or is it just giving up the junk for the glorious? But we live in a culture that has glorified the junk. And then we settle. Come on, somebody. We got to change our mindset. We got to be aware of our mindset and put our focus upon Jesus and not upon the things of this world. We got to get to work. God's specialty is the rain. He's asking us to dig the ditch. You got to get to work. So let me ask you this question. Anybody in here ready to dig a ditch? It's easy to say that, isn't it? It's sure easy to say that until the work actually comes, right? It's easy to say it until the work actually comes. I'm in the middle of a process right now where uh, 
Uh, praise God uh, that, that uh, I had a, a, an injury in my, my bicep tendon, and it was a slow healing one. Because how many of y'all know that, that youth is wasted on the young? Come on, right? Like, daggum. Daggum, man. Slow healing tendon issue. But it's, it's getting better. Praise God, you know? And so I've been able to get back into the gym, but then I realized, like, two years off of the gym, right? Oh, my goodness. It's hard to get back into the gym. And I've even got people around the church that, that I, I've said, hey, man, I need your help. Get me back into the gym. I'm going to text you, let you know, keep me accountable for going back in the gym, right? And, uh, and they've done a great job of that. But ain't nobody keep me accountable on the food that I'm eating. Come on, the glorious Doritos, right? Come on, somebody said Arby's up in here today. Woo! Come on, right? They got the meats, not for sandwiches, for Darren. That's what they have the meats for. I can't say no. I can't say no. But I know that I can't say no. So I had to, oh, come on, somebody. I had to hire somebody to make sure that they're watching what I'm eating all the time. Anybody ever been there before? Right? Y'all like, what are you, dumb? Why would you do that? Because it's so much, it's so much less to pay for that than the heart attack that's going to happen in five years. Come on now. I got to be disciplined. I got to make sure that I'm watching what I'm eating. Because I want to be around for a long time to watch my boys grow up and fulfill everything that God has for them. So I'm putting in the work right now. And I was all excited about it. I'm doing this 12-week program. And I was all excited when we got going. Now I'm just thankful that I only got 10 weeks left. Come on. Amen. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Because let me tell you something. I got to measure my food. That's the dumbest thing in a... Right? It's a... What? I only get... I had... 99 grams of yogurt for breakfast this morning. This is ridiculous. I'm all excited until the work actually comes. We get in the same place. We get excited until the work actually comes. So my question for you today, are you truly ready to dig your ditch and get going? You got to do the work. You got to put it in. God's specialty is the blessings, but he expects you to do the work. You got to prepare the ditches for when the rain comes. It's time for us to get to work. Now think about this. Put yourself in the position of, these, of this army, right? Put yourself into the position of this army. They had just gone on roundabout for seven days in the middle of the wilderness. Now they got no water. And so what God's solution for them is to do is hard labor. What are you talking about? I got no more. God, you have, I got no more. I can't put in work because I have no more. I have no more of what's going on. Somebody's got something going on back there. Somebody's got some volume going on. Everybody's like, who's back there? <laughs> I see y'all. You're like, what's back there? And then somebody back there is really embarrassed right now. That's what's going on. <laughs> You want me to do work and I feel like I have no more. I can't go on to greater things because I have no more to give. 
And now you're telling me, I've walked into church this morning, I'm at the end of my rope, and you're here to tell me that i got work to do? Yes. Because that's how faith works. Even when you don't hear the wind and think that there's an end in sight, you do the work. Even if you've been going for seven days or seven years, and it feels like there's no rain that's coming, you do the work. Because that's how faith works. God's specialty is the blessing. You got to prepare. You got to dig the ditch. You got to put in the work. So let, let me do this for you today. Because sometimes that feels overwhelming. Dig ditches all over this valley. Gotta, I can't. I can't. I have no more. Let me break it down for you this way. Digging your ditch, it really looks like this. It's, it's big dreams with small steps. Okay, big dreams with small steps. Dig ditches all over the valley. How, did, how, how was the valley filled with ditches all throughout it? One shovel at a time. One swing of that pick at a time. Do the work one small step at a time to fulfill the big dream. Anybody here want to be part of an incredibly growing church today? Right? Big dream. Go invite one person, small step. Are you ready to put in the work and go invite one person? Anybody want to be part of a church that's just alive and full of the Spirit of God today? Right? Big dream. Shout amen one time with everything that you have. Small step. How many of you all want to be able to have relationships you're, that you're full of life-giving relationships? Everywhere you turn, people are, are just giving you life. And you're like, oh, my life is so full right now because of all these relationships. Anybody want to have relationships like that? Right? Yeah. Big dream. Join a focus group. Small step. Anybody want to be able to have a parasauce life that it's overflowing from you and impacting the people around you? Anybody want to have that be your life, right? Big dream. Join the dream team around here and truly begin to impact somebody on a week-to-week basis. Small step. Anybody in here want to have a marriage that people can look at and say, that's the kind of marriage that I want to be able to have. Anybody want a marriage like that? Yeah. Big dream. Some of us see this as, whoa, that's big dream, right? <laughs> How about you just say sorry to your spouse and not expect anything back? Small step. How many of you want to be able to see your kids who have walked away from a relationship with Jesus. Just simply believe in him today. Big dream. Pray for them every single morning. Small step. Even when you don't see the wind and you hear the wind or see the rain coming, I'm going to do the work. And I'm going to trust God for the blessing. Are you ready 
to dig your ditches today? Are you ready to put in the work when it seems like there's no miracle in store? When there is no hope? Are you ready to dig your ditch today? Keep your focus upon what God says and not about how I feel. Put my focus upon what God says and not on what this world is telling me. I'm not going to settle for less. I'm going to go after greater in my life. Somebody say greater today. Come on, church, and here's the great news that I have for you. Is that when you put in the work, when you go and you, and you fulfill one small step at a time, when you start swinging that axe and it's just one swing at a time, you start putting that shovel in the ground and you start getting it out one scoop at a time, I'm here to tell you that God's blessings will come through for you. You want to know how I know? Because I saw God do it in the past and I know that he can do it right now. In fact, I got a word for you today in the middle of your situation. When you feel like there is no more, the word that I have for you today is this. This is easy for God. This is easy for God to do. You think your situation is overwhelming? You think that your what moment is going to be able to drive you to a place where you have nothing to give anybody? That's easy for God to take care of. But you got to put in the work. You got to dig the ditch. And your situation that you feel like is overwhelming you, that God will overwhelm it and then fill you with a life that will overwhelm the people around you. We're so concerned about the situation that we lose sight of the bigger picture. The situation, Elijah said to him, that's easy for God to do. In fact, forget about that situation. He's also going to hand over Moab to you. Come on, somebody. God has victory over your situation. And God has victory over your battle. Let me say that again, because I don't think some of you heard it. God has victory over your situation, and God has victory over your battle. And not just the small, little kind of victory. No, no, no. You're going to ravage the country. You're going to knock out its fortifications. You're going to level key villages. You're going to have a clear cut through the orchards. You're going to clog the springs. You're going to litter the cultivated fields with stone. In other words... I'm not just giving you a victory over your situation. I'm not just giving you a victory over your battle. I've already won the war. We get so bogged down in the middle of these tiny little small moments that we feel are overwhelming to us when our God has already won the war. Come on, somebody. Church, would you please stand with me today? I know that there's some of you in here and you felt like there is no more. You got no more to give. That's a lie. I'm here to tell you that's a lie. It's a lie that you might have been telling yourself. It's a lie that somebody else might have been telling you. It's a lie that our culture is trying to feed you. But I'm here to give you the truth. And the truth is this, is that God has greater things in store for you. That your situation, guess what? As bad as it is, you're gonna wake up tomorrow. And you're gonna continue to press on. As bad as your situation is, that you're still gonna be able to press on through it. 
because I know that my God has victory over your situation. I know that my God has victory over the battle, and I know that my God has victory over the war. Come on, church. Can we praise him right now? Can we sing out our praises to him? Let's oh, I'm going to live like my chains are gone.